Welcome to Flipsteration, a podcast dedicated to the stories of those who strip, sand, finish, and repeat. Whether you're into furniture flipping as a hobby, a side income, or for restoring the purity of a vintage piece, welcome to the Flipsteration Nation. Uh, today, we're getting to welcome Kaylin from Boxwood and Spruce on Instagram. She's a furniture flipper with 40,000 followers and counting. She's passionate about DIY home decor, thrifting, and flipping, and has a really awesome blog called Boxwood and Spruce at boxwoodandspruce.com. Kaylin, welcome to the show. Thanks for being with us. How are you doing today? Hi, everyone. I'm great. Thanks for having me. So glad to have you. So glad to have you. So uh, I've had the opportunity to look through your Instagram, your blog, and it's all so incredible. But I'd just love for you to give us a brief introduction to you, kind of where you live, your family, your interests, and then we'll dive deep into the vintage and flipping and all that fun stuff. Awesome, fun. Yeah, well, my name's Kaylin I'm with Boston and Spruce. It's a home decor account on Instagram. So I share, obviously, home decor, uh, flip projects, and um, thrifting inspiration. So I love to, uh, my home personally is a probably 95% thrifted. And so I love to just show people what I thrift, how I thrift, and just basically how to create like a really kind of curated, storied, welcoming house when you just really don't have to spend very much. Yeah, that's incredible. And so your own personal home, you said it's like 95% thrifted. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Yeah. It's fun. I bet your budget loves you because you can find something that is a little bit cheaper, but then make it look new. Yeah. And my husband too. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, that's awesome. And yeah. so how did you get into this? Like, what, how did you get started with all of this, you know, even 95% thrifted house? How did you get started with that? Yeah. You know, it's funny. Um, so when my husband and I bought our first house, um, gosh, I don't know, like 18 years ago, um, like many people in your twenties, we didn't have much budget and it was kind of happenstance. We lived, um, in Denver at the time and the neighborhood that we lived in has mainly alleys. So it's just kind of unique to Denver. So like the garages are in the alleys and that's where all the trash and recycling pickup happens. And so, um, one day when we first moved in our neighbor, there was like a a table just sitting out in the trash. Sadly, because we had the trash pickup in the alley, a lot of people were kind of like too lazy. It was just really convenient to not take it down to the Goodwill or the thrift store and just put it out in the alley. Because honestly, most of the time you get picked up before it hit the trash. But um, And so I found it out there and I was like, this is a really cute table. It's like wood and solid. <laughs> what is this doing out here? So I brought it to our backyard and I was out there sanding it. And our neighbor who we had just recently met he was like, oh, I see you picked up the table I put back there. And I was kind of a little embarrassed that I even got, you know, dumpster diving. And I was like, oh, yeah. Um, and he said, well, you know, my wife actually picked that up in the same way to, you know, refinish it and do something with it. And she never got around to it. So back out it went. And so he said, you know, uh, jokingly, obviously, he said, I'll, I'll let you take that out of the alley if you just promise me that you refinish it so your husband doesn't have to look at it sitting in the house unfinished like I did. <laughs> and I said, okay. So um, that was my very first piece, sanded it down, fixed it up, Um, still have it today, actually. I love it. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, it's fun. And then from there, I don't know, I kind of got addicted to the before and after process, you know, like seeing something before and then be like, wow, I did that. That actually looks awesome. Like, I'm proud to put that in my house now. Um, So then I just... There's a, actually a thrift store um, called Gone for Good here, and it's really quite a cool company. Yeah, They do uh, junk removal and recycling like for 
you know, elderly people or just someone moving that has a lot of stuff that come, they'll clean out the house for you. But instead of putting it all in the landfill, they have a recycling program and then the thrift store. And it's not like Goodwill or anything. You just have, mm. it's like a free for all. You dig yeah. through, you treasure hunt, you gather up stuff. And what would you, what would you give me for that? <laughs> you know? What can I get all that for? So we started there and I just get furniture for nothing. And uh, wow. yeah, so I was like, you know, let's, I think chalk paint, I mean, I don't know, 15 years ago, chalk paint was like all the rage, you know, it was fairly new ish. And, um, so I was like, well, I'll try this chalk paint out and did the first piece. And, um, one led to another to where I couldn't fit them all in my house anymore. So I had to sell some, (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, and then I was like, oh, wow. Like I got that piece for, you know, 15 bucks spent 15 on paint and then I sold it for 150. I was like, that's pretty sweet. So it just kind of, I don't know, became a a fun little way to make some side money and enjoy things in my house and give them to other people to enjoy. That's incredible. And so what was that experience like selling your first piece? Because, you know, when we do this podcast, we've had amazing guests who come in and tell us their story and they always had the same reaction as you. They were blown away by Mm -hmm. the first time they went, I, bought this for so little and I actually turned a really good profit and it kind of makes you believe in yourself. What was your initial feeling? And kind of tell us about that experience. Um, ecstatic. <laughs> yeah. like, super excited. Um, I, I had my own business, you know, doing like graphic design, but this was like a way to kind of get quick turnaround. Um, so it was very exciting and I don't know, it was, yeah, it was just, it made me want to do it over and over again, <laughs> especially the ones that go fast. You know, some will sit there for a little bit, but the ones that like within two hours, you're like, oh, okay, now I've got this space freed up in my house. <laughs> that was that was yes. fun. <laughs> I love that. And you said you're excited to keep on doing this more and more. And, and so you have. I mean, you've built a, quite a following and quite a reputation of someone who doesn't just, you know, refinish furniture in, you know, a profitable way, but in a really beautiful way. Uh, in fact, I was really blown away by your Instagram page. Uh, I do lots of social media myself and that's kind of like my background. And I was just like, wow, this person knows what she is doing. And so where did you get that artistic eye? Because that was something that kind of struck me. And for our listeners, again, Instagram at Boxwood and Spruce, if you go there, you can see what I'm talking about. But where did you get that artistic eye? Were you born with it? Did you develop it? Kind of how did that, how did that happen for you? I'd say all of the above. <laughs> um, I mean, I I, I've always loved art and, and drawing, although I'm not really that great of a, an artist in the drawing sense. <laughs> but uh, I've always been interested in it. And then it just kind of naturally progressed. I did advertising and graphic design in college and got my degrees in that and then moved into marketing and graphic design. And then from there, I had my own business doing wedding invitations. Um, and really, honestly, it was when we moved from Kansas City, where I had like a full-blown wedding invitation business, to Denver that kind of dissipated a lot. I, I lost a lot of my uh, support with my like three really little kids at the time. Um, and we were building a house. And so I got very into the process um, of picking out the finishes and just everything interior design. And I feel like that kind of goes hand in hand with the furniture refinishing because it's the items that you're putting in your house to make it feel like home. Mm. Um, and I mean, honestly, I mean, you think about some someone studying something. I watch 
home flip um, shows every single night. That's what my husband and I do. It's like kids go to bed, get some wine or tea, and we we turn on, you know, Magnolia Network. And we just really enjoy it. And I feel like you watch it so often. I mean, you're picking things up. You're learning just as Mm -hmm. you do in a class, right? So in that sense, um, it just kind of happened over time. You see others doing things that you love and, you know, techniques. And you're like, well, maybe I'll try that out. And it's just a lot of um, trial and error. I love how you mentioned Magnolia and all that. Like to me, I've seen your, your page and everything. It's just, it's beautiful how you stage everything. It's like, it's actually, it's striking. Um, And how you make these pieces just really pop off the page. You know, I, I very much like photography and all that stuff. So the aesthetics really matter how you put everything, how you put it in the, in the right lighting, everything, how you shoot it. It's really, really good. And I'm just kind of wondering, my question for you is, do you, um, are, would you say that you're a, a trend setter or do you follow any kind of uh, specific trends as you go? Or is it kind of a mix of the two? I mean, I would probably say a mix of the two. Personally, I never really think of myself as a trend setter. I don't, maybe some people do, I don't know, but but I have people message me that, you know, will say, oh, you really inspired me to do this. I've never seen this before. So I guess in that respect, maybe people would say that there is an element that is, although I, I feel like I definitely watch other people's trends too. In the same way that people might watch me, I watch others. You know what I mean? So I would, I guess I would say kind of a mixture. I'm always learning, um, you know, and, and have areas where I can learn. I love watching people play with patterns and, and things like that. And it really is striking to me when I'm like, wow, you just mixed like four crazy patterns together and it all comes together. So, you know, same thing for furniture and restoring and flipping. I will see people do things that I've never seen before. Um, and it's fun to always learn from others. So yeah, I'm de- I definitely love watching what others do and, and that's awesome. giving everything a try. That's yeah, great. I think it's hard to it's hard to sort of uh, exist in like a vacuum, you know. I think I, I I said this once before, but it was funny because there was a time in like you know in the mid century era where the California trends were kind of copying the the trends from Europe and and then vice versa. So like they were both sort of trend setting, but also you know kind of following too. <laughs> it was sort mm-hmm. of this like kind of both thing. And uh, I I just wanted to say I was you know when we were getting ready for the podcast I was watching some of your, um, just the, the thrifting Thursday episodes that you do, those little segments. And yeah. I just really enjoyed that because like you go in and it's just like, whatever's there, you just kind of, you know, you just go with it. And, and some of the ideas you just on the fly come up with, uh, were, were, it was a lot of fun to watch because again, as someone who I, you know, I also enjoy going in and you never know what you're going to find in those, in those places. But, um, I think a lot of people have a hard time seeing past what something is. That's, that's kind of mm-hmm. like, you know, when you talk about trend setting or whatever it might be, um, I think part of that is being somebody who could see past what something is. Um, even if in the end it looks some, like something you have seen before, you had to kind of imagine it that way because it wouldn't, um, it didn't look that way when you began. I was watching one where you were, uh, it was a um, fishing basket, I think it was, uh, that, that had like uh, some f- faux flowers and a, a fake fish <laughs> or something. And you were like, oh, if we take all that out of there, because that's ugly. And put, you know, we could hang it on a door and and and, re- and I just thought, you know, it, it's true. I mean, some people would see that and go, oh, that's I, never. And they would just move along. But you could kind of see it and say, you know what, with a little bit of uh, a little bit of a twist, this could be, you know, something pretty neat uh, for the home. So I, yeah. I just enjoy them. You, you've done a lot of them. How many have you done? Uh, do you know no, the number? I I'm I mean, I've been doing it for a couple of years because you're right. It, um, it used to be Thrift With Me Thursday, and then it became um, 
you know, just with life, a lot to guarantee what happened on Thursday. So then it just came thrift with me when it happens. Um, (laughs) And plus just, I have very little willpower to say no to a really good deal. It's like Mm -hmm. $3. And so before we actually moved to this place and did a renovation, I mean, the amount of stuff I sold and had to clear out of a garage, I was like, okay, I can do it every, I mean, you know, when you do this social media, um, I mean, shocker doesn't make a ton of money unless you're like, you know, really this huge influencer. So it got to a point I was like, I can't be spending more than I'm making on all this stuff. This is <laughs> like entertaining for others, but it's going to make me broke. So uh, I kind of had to space it out. But I do. I mean, I, I would say that that's something that maybe I do that others don't, not the thrifting so much, but showing on the screen, like, examples and people appreciate that so much because it is really hard um for people sometimes to see outside of the thrift store or you know outside of that environment what a piece can be um and that's why i like to say you know i do flip projects because it's not just furniture but there's decor pieces and you have to look at the shape of things sometimes or just like literally remove yourself from the surroundings because things can look really disgusting and dingy at a thrift store. Um, but you have to picture them in a different environment. So that's what I like to show people how to do. Look at the shape of something compared to what you've seen in McGee and Co or Pottery Barn, things like that. Um, and then you can take that shape and make it into one of those things, you know? And then not only did you not spend very much, but maybe you acquired, um, a new skill, you know, and, and then you're really proud of yourself too. You're like, wow, I did that. And then your friends come in and like, Hey, I really love that piece of furniture, that lamp. And you're like, thanks. I made it, (laughs) you know, and it's just, (laughs) it's cool. And I feel like thrifters always, I mean, I know I do this and then, you know, you love to say when you thrift, like how much you got it for you. Like, Oh yeah, that was three 99. You know, (laughs) it's just like this extra, um, I don't know, this extra little pat on the back. It feels good. Yeah. Now you said you have a graphic design background. So do you mm-hmm. find that um, there's ever a connection with like the way your brain thinks on those two levels? So sort of the seeing something that someone else doesn't see in like the thrifting side of it, but also with graphic design, do you see that there's like a common thread that runs through some of those uh, creative processes for you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's a lot of like spatial awareness and that, uh, how things land and orient on a page is very similar to when you style something, you know, a piece of furniture. And then, you know, part of selling that piece or just enjoying it in your home is not just simply putting it in your home, but how you style it. So how, once you have the furniture there, how the vase, you know, you start with something large, you maybe work in triangles, you know, just spatially how things relate to each other from the page to the home, I think is very similar. Um, And again, I think, anyone can do it. Um, a lot of people say, Oh, I could never do this. You can, it's practice. You know, I look back at, um, photos of, you know, when our kids were born in their nurseries and they were cute, but I was just trying different things. And, you know, you're like, well, I have gotten a lot better than I was then, you know, my spaces look a lot better or my furniture looks a lot better. And, um, it's, like anything, it's a skill that you develop over time. So you can teach your eye just by watching what others do and actually getting in and not being afraid and just trying it. You can teach yourself that spatial relationship, um, just what looks good, you know, and you start to notice it. I feel like I get a spidey sense sometimes. <laughs> it drives my husband crazy because like I can notice when things are slightly off. He's helping me hang a heavy picture or something. I'm like, 
that that way, no, that you know, and he's like, I'm just gonna put it up, and then I kind of have to like live with it for a few days because he's done with it, <laughs> done with the process of hanging it or moving a heavy piece, and then eventually I'm trying to do it myself because every time I go by, it's like that little spidey sense. It's like that's really off <laughs> by like a hair, and it's driving me nuts. <laughs> That's awesome. Do you, so I was looking at your, uh, at your feed and I noticed that you have, you really work a lot with contrast. You, you, your posts seem to have a lot of push and pull when it comes to, um, shadowing lighting, but also size depth of field in all different ways. But there's like this really interesting push and pull that makes your, your posts just stand out. Like I said before. And, um, I was just wondering what if, what do you have for, um, for any kind of tip for that particular to make a better post for anybody else? Um, yeah, that's interesting that, you know, sometimes other people notice things you maybe don't notice about your own feed as much. <laughs> um, you know, they've come a really long way with iPhone cameras. I'll say too, I, I have a nice camera and I rarely use it. In fact, um, oftentimes my iPhone gets a lot better photos than my nicer camera. Um, so, but people like to take in the whole picture, almost like a story, right? And everything is video and movement now, but um, in the same respect, you kind of have to think about what people want to study. So some of those I like to focus in, um, you know, let's say it's something like, a, I think I had one that was a coffee table recently. Actually, I pulled it back just to kind of get the whole picture. I wanted to show the surrounding because that particular coffee table was an example, a perfect example of like how something can look kind of gross in a thrift store. And it had like a Hobby Lobby knob on it, which there's nothing wrong with that, but it wasn't fitting for the piece at all. Um, and so I wanted to really show in that photo that like you can change a knob put it in a different environment. I literally did nothing except for change a knob with an old dresser knob that I had in the stash in an environment. And then there you go. So I pulled that one back. And then some of my photos, I like to show the detail up close, you know, show that knob and, and how it just works well with it. So I guess just kind of um, getting both, getting all angles, just as you would tell a story from all angles, kind of let that picture be that story and, mm. and capture it from all angles. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's cool. You mentioned the knob and, and it just reminded me just recently, my wife and I, we have our third child coming in April oh, and, congrats. um, thank you. Yeah. And we, so we're getting the nursery ready and, uh, my wife and I are both very design minded people. So that can create some friction because, uh, normally guys don't care it. Apparently she's like, I've never, you know, but I, I care about this stuff too. So it's like, we, we have these, you know, we have a slightly different aesthetics, but, but similar, we overlap enough to make it work and we can stay together. Uh, and so she was preparing, that was a joke. No, um, we, she was preparing the dresser, uh, for the nursery that we have. And it's one we've had for the other, the other kids, but we are just going, she wanted this, this, this feel for the room. And it was amazing. All she did was order some knobs on Amazon just changed them out. That was all she did to it. And it just, it changed the piece. Like it was, it's amazing how sometimes the smallest little change, you don't even have to get into like actually flipping the piece in, the, you know, in a, in a drastic way. Sometimes just changing the hardware, um, doing something just to, just to give it a little lift uh, and connect it. I always say, uh, you know, a room is like connecting dots. It's like, if you can start with something and you just start connecting dots through the room, so it all kind of connects, even though each thing might not connect with each other, they all together collectively work because you've connected enough dots. And so 
you know, just mm-hmm. something like a knob can be enough to connect that piece into the room, even if you didn't do anything else to it. So I just wanted to mention that it just reminded me of what I just went through recently with knob changing. So yeah, I mean, it's so true. And I feel like hardware is one of the easiest things to do to change up a piece and make it look different. And Lee, you were saying connecting the dots. It's like you have to find something to where they play well together. So maybe that hardware was old and scallopy, you know, and um, is pretty, but maybe it doesn't work well with more of a modern nursery or whatever it is. But you can choose maybe something as simple as a finish. Maybe you have a lot of black or maybe you have a lot of burnished brass and just tie that in. And all of a sudden, without even like realizing it, you might not know why, but it's because of that, those two pieces, the two finishes speaking to each other and playing mm-hmm. well together. All of a sudden, it's like it's cohesive, you know, yeah. and it kind of just pulls it together. So, and I'll say my, my husband has, uh, <laughs> you're saying you guys both have a very strong design sense. I think that's why we could actually build our house. He let me take complete design control, and if he, which he was very smart because we, this is our, I mean, with the barn, our third build together and um, how we're still together after that. It's like a miracle because it's super stressful, but yeah, he lets me take control. He'll, he'll really let me know if he hates a design choice, but otherwise he kind of just throws his trust. He does analytics. And so for that, in that way, we, we come together nicely. He's like, <laughs> throws his hands up, like you've got this. Yeah. So. I love it. So many great tips. And even just that conversation that we've already had so far. So thank you so much, Kaylin. Our listeners are going to be really enjoying that. Now, one of the things that I wanted to point out was that Goodwill trip, um, series that you have actually developed. And I, I, as a dad of three myself, uh, loved how you said it used to be on Thursdays and now it's just goodwill trip whenever I can, (laughs) which is, which is very much where so many of us and our listeners are at, which is, you know, they're the mom with the couple of kids and they've got the mortgage and, you know, life gets in the way, but I did really love that series. And I, and I love when you post that, um, can you tell us where you came up with that? And maybe if you have one that just stands out, was there a goodwill trip that you just went, I couldn't believe that they had this there. They didn't understand what they have uh, and all that stuff. Gosh, um, great question. I don't know that there's one that stands out. That kind of makes me want to go back to my very first one ever and look because I don't even yeah. remember. But, um, you know, I think I, it started in stories. So, I mean, the evolution of Instagram, right? It was like just posts and stories and stories were fairly new. And so I would take people out and just show them what I was doing. Um, And it it was so engaging for people. And so then I thought, well, I want to incorporate and show people because I was talking about what you could do with these things. And that was really, you know, through my conversations and my DMs, really interesting to people. Like, oh my gosh, I never would have thought about that. Or they'd like to throw out their ideas of what to do, which was really cool and fun to get that interaction. So that's kind of where it evolved is um, it was a little bit much to do on the fly. So I started kind of curating these stories together, pulling, um, you know, I would talk about them at the thrift store and then I'd have to go home and piece in, um, find photos to go with what I was talking about. And then I would line them up on Thursday. So they'd be all like ready to load up in stories. So that's where it happened um, to kind of develop. And then, you know, over the evolution of Instagram, then reels came about and it became a great way just to get more reach to people um, who are interested in thrifting. And, And so that's kind of how it evolved was just naturally people being interested in it. 
by doing that, do you get a lot of interaction in the interactions you do? Do people ask questions? I mean, are they picking your brain on ideas? Like what's a common question that you might get asked uh, now and then or pretty often? Yeah. I mean, people will sometimes send me um, pictures of things that they had. I used to do, uh, you know, when I had a pretty small following, I used to have people send me photos of things that they'd thrifted or had in their house. And they're like, I like this thing, but I don't really know what to do with it. And so I would brainstorm ideas for them, which is fun, but it was very time consuming. So, but sometimes people will still, you know, chat with me and send me things like that. Um, and it's fun just to brainstorm. Cause like I said, people will come up with other ideas too that I don't think about. I'm like, Oh, that's brilliant. You know, it's it just not having that tunnel vision and that brainstorming process um, is really, really fun. Ah, man, I absolutely love that. Now, Caitlin, one other thing that I loved was that you have this Airbnb uh, over there. It's a cabin in Colorado. And mm -hmm. I was just wondering, as you have, of course, been flipping and restoring furniture and taking care of that, how did that translate over into almost the same area of business, but different, you know, you're decorating a new house to be rented out. How, how did those two connect? Mm -hmm. So that was pretty fun to see come together. So we were in Denver at the time and um, looking for a place that we could have a little bit more space for our family, um, which is how we got that cabin in the first place. Um, it was a complete just blank slate. It was a single guy who lived there, him and his dog. Every wall was white, but there was like, and, and there was like a camo couch. I think he had a mattress on the floor. So it was like, <laughs> it was easy to see why it was still on the market at the time, which is kind of unusual for Colorado, but I could see the fact that it was, you know, just such a blank canvas, these tall ceilings. And so when we got it, we knew we had to use it as an Airbnb, not only for our family, but to make some income on it too. And so Again, it was just kind of going back. We did not, after purchasing it, um, did not have much to put into it. So, you know, you do the trip to Ikea where the bunk beds came from Ikea. And then, you know, we, all the decor is thrifted. Paint, we replaced the floors, right? Got floor and decor, vinyl flooring um, to look like wood. We installed that ourselves, which was a process. Yeah. Um, and it turned out great. You can definitely tell it was our first time ever doing it in some spots. Um, but everything else was just aesthetics. I mean, quite literally, the floor, paint, we put up some wood shelves that we got brackets and wood from Home Depot. And then the rest of it was thrifted. The dresser in the kids' bedroom is um, thrifted and painted. The table and chairs, I think the table maybe actually came from my grandma, but the chairs are thrifted. The, I mean, every single thing actually in there is thrifted, mm. except for maybe like the rugs, the mattresses, things like that. Wow. Um, but the, it works so perfectly though, because I knew I didn't want it to have a kitschy mountain decor. I didn't want like plaid mousse or, you know, <laughs> like I wanted it to have a different vibe than so many places in Colorado have that feel that you you get them and you rent them because you're like, I'm here to be outside, but they're not really that enjoyable inside. And I wanted it to be different than that. So mm -hmm. that looked like, you know, moody colors um, and something that felt really storied. And the best way to make something feel storied um, and old and cozy is to bring in old and cozy things. You can go to the mm -hmm. antique store and spend a fortune. And there are a lot of antique stores that have beautiful European antiques, but they're 
many of them that come from the thrift stores and then they hike up the price and they go to the antique stores, you know, mm. like the poor man's antique shop. <laughs> you just, what you just said, it, it's so true that like you mentioned that like kind of the warmth that an older item can bring to a room. Mm-hmm. And it's true. Like I have a hard time bringing anything new into our, our home. Um, my wife loves, you know, she's a big fan of Target. Uh, she's just, you know, I always say it's a funny, she goes in there and I just have to grab one thing and, oh yeah, you know, yeah, well, and you know how <laughs> that be is. Careful. So, uh, Gotta be careful. Yeah, no, yep. I know that Never. Target is, is, is definitely, um, uh, you know, it absorbs people in and, but, um, no, I, so, you know, she sometimes will want to pick up something. I just have a hard time with anything new because there's something that is just, I, I don't know what it is about an older thing, but you put an older item in a room and it does something to the room. Like it, it, it just changes the feel, you know, if you got a reproduction or a new version of that, it wouldn't even be the same, even if it's very similar, just there's something about the, the story that's built into the piece that even if you don't know the actual story, you could just sense it. Like you just feel that there's something to it and it grounds a space. Um, you know, I definitely agree though. Mattresses, should, you know, they should be new. We shouldn't thrift mattresses. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm glad that you said that, that was good. Your Airbnb customers appreciate that. You, yeah, you yeah that absolutely. But uh, no, but I, but I do, I just love, I mean, if it can't be a family piece, because I, you know, that's, I love um, having done the refinishing and restoration for clients for years. I always loved, my favorite part was to hear their stories. Like they would tell me the story of, you know, this trunk came overseas with my great grandma, you know, and it's just like, you hear this stuff and you're like, you can't, what, how do you even put a dollar amount on that? And it always saddens me when you see pieces in the thrift store that you imagine probably have those stories. Yeah. But, um, but you know, the person who inherited it or they're clearing out the house or whatever might have, had, you know, they just end up there. So it's cool to continue it on and, you know, give it more chapters to that story. But yeah, yeah. I absolutely agree. I had a, a piece that a, a friend gave to me because she's like, I know you can do something with this or, you know, um, and it was, she used it as art storage for her children, but it was this white cabinet with these two storks on it that were like wood cutouts and painted white. But she showed me this um, letter that came with it. She bought it off of Facebook marketplace from someone in Boulder. Um, but the letter that was with it from forever ago was this expecting mother. And she said, Oh, I saw this um, image of this dresser in, you know, Women's Day magazine, you know, from like the 30s or I don't know, a long time ago. And she said, I was so excited about it. So my husband found a furniture manufacturer to recreate one that looked just like it for me. And it was, I mean, in the time where he actually wrote letters and it was typewriter, you know, and it was just so neat. Like what a story to have with that piece just makes it so much more special, you know, to know that history behind it. Yeah. Yeah. We used to tell, we used to tell clients when they would tell us the story, we would always tell them, does your, do your kids know the story? Like, do your, does your family know the story? Because we would hear it, but then oftentimes they would say, no, actually nobody knows, knows what this is. And I, you know, so what we used to do is encourage them sometimes to, you know, even write it out or type it out and, and attach it or put it mm-hmm. like what you're describing, kind of put it somewhere where it's, you know, you don't see it. Maybe it's, you know, taped to the bottom of the dresser or taped to somewhere where you don't know it's there, but then it, you know, as time goes on, they can discover it and go, Oh, I now know what this is. Otherwise people don't know. It just doesn't fit their aesthetic. They say, Oh, off to the thrift store. Mm-hmm. And that's where someone else grabs it and carries it on. But the, the story sometimes is so important. So I always said, you know, at least share it verbally or put it there, you know, so that they can actually know what, what it is, you know? That's so fun. I love the yeah. idea of finding it too, because like, it doesn't happen often, but who doesn't love when you bring something home and you're like, mm-hmm. look what I found in here. This is so cool. It's like, it's like it a treasure adds hunt. to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's the best kind. And so we've talked about all of these wonderful things that we've done, and you alluded to it with the cabin, Kaylin, but what's the biggest for you restoration slash flipping fail? Like, have you ever had something that just went terribly wrong or you had it took a lot longer than you thought it did? Yeah, you know, um, my biggest fail was probably that very first piece that I found in the alleyway, which ironically I ended up loving and like I said, still have. <laughs> but so I brought that in, sanded it down, and I wanted to restain it. I mean, I don't know, 15, 18 years ago, like you, you didn't go to YouTube for everything then. And at least I didn't. (laughs) And so I like got my first thing of stain. I was like, I'm going to stain it. I've never done it before. And I remember I wiped it down and it looked like slick and shiny and so rich and deep. Um, And I was like, look what I did. And I walked away and I came back the next day to move it. And it was like, Oh, like, oh, it's so sticky and tacky. I never used stain, so I didn't know you're supposed to wipe it off. I just like coated <laughs> it on there and just like left it. Um, and it was a gross mess because obviously you have to wipe it off. So it's like this sticky, tacky mess, um, which definitely was a fail. However, and I had to like wipe it off and like rags getting stuck in it. But the cool thing about that fail is that it actually turned into something kind of neat is that it pushed the stain into these weird, this weird kind of way that in the end, once it finally did dry, it looked like it had been like 200 years old <laughs> because there were like these places where maybe people had refinished over it and, you know, the patina had developed. So it was definitely my biggest fail because I had no idea what I was doing, but it turned into something really cool. And I've yet to recreate that. I should. I'm kind of nervous too because it was such a mess. <laughs> but it really did create such a, a cool look. When you when you describe that fail, I mean, obviously, that's a learning experience. That was kind of like a double, you learn something, which is great, you know. But then on the other hand, you also discovered like by surprise something that actually you kind of liked, which is, you know, I think is, is kind of fun too. Uh, I think that's one of the things we always encourage people because, you know, our, our listeners, but also just the customer base of our business, it's like, you have this huge spectrum of, of people. You have, you know, someone who they just like, they're on their first piece now, you know, they're literally, that's what they're doing. The first piece. And then you have some who have done hundreds of pieces over, over time. And so you get this, um, you know, you, you, we encourage everyone to like, not be afraid to fail because when you're afraid to fail, you don't, you don't try, you just, you don't even, mm-hmm. you know, get into it. Um, and, and that's where you, when you do have that mess up, you kind of go, well, why did this happen? And then sometimes you may even discover a technique or something that you wouldn't have ever found if you didn't, you know, actually go down that path. So it's, it's all part of the, it's part of the journey for sure. The, those little fails. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I so. mean, and I've definitely had things like milk paint, which is just a finic like a beautiful yet finicky product in general, which is why it's so great because you don't know what it's going to do and it gives you that cool chippiness but i've definitely had a piece that i painted the entire thing and the entire thing flaked off you know and i'm like okay now i've got like a huge mess and a piece that looks worse than it already did and you know and it's frustrating i mean you definitely have to walk away sometimes because anything can be fixed right but there's definitely been times where I've put it in the garage and just like, you know, what? I'll get to that later. Like mentally, I can't deal with you right now because I really yeah, messed yeah. you up and it's going to require sanding or stripping it all back and and starting over, which is, you know, just mentally frustrating. That's crazy. I, but you have so much experience, Kaylin. I mean, I, I saw on your Instagram, at least on Boxwood and Spruce, that you've been doing this since 2017, which uh, not to make us feel old or sad or anything, but that was uh, five years ago, almost six years ago, which is yeah. crazy to think about. <laughs> it is crazy. Uh, how is the 
How has the world for you of restoration and flipping changed in the last five years? Have you noticed big changes? Has it remained the same? Like, what have you seen? I've just seen more of it. And I just think Mm. that's because of social media. I mean, like when I started, um, you know, there are a couple accounts that I found, um, whether it be through a blog or Instagram when it was in its, you know, infancy. And I was just in awe of what they were doing. And it was so beautiful. And and that definitely was something that encouraged me to want to try it. Um, And now, you know, it's, it's everywhere. Well, seemingly, I think it was everywhere, but now you can see it everywhere. Mm -hmm. So, uh, which is cool, you know, because people have different styles. Like my style might be totally different than another furniture refinisher who works in stencil and bright colors and everything like that. And it's equally as beautiful. It's a totally different market. Um, but I definitely, um, and seeing people do different techniques, things that make Um, a piece look like grass cloth, which is super cool. Just using, you know, brushing motions of like a stiff brush and paint, um, diluting paint. I mean, people are really creative, you know, um, with these faux finishes that they do. It's pretty incredible and it's fun to watch. It's funny because (laughs) a little backstory of me when I was, when I was a kid, I was probably, I don't know, uh, 11 or 12 and, I was one of these odd kids that I loved watching uh, interior design shows, mm-hmm. which is, which was it's funny. My that's probably from my mom, um, but I used to love watching them, and I would try the techniques, and I would, you know, and I used to marbleize uh, tables, like little tables. I would find like you know, at, and I would sell them. And then one time, this interior designer came, and she she said when I was twelve, she said I have these two ten foot columns in a client's home. Can you do those? You know, and so then I did it, and it's. It's funny, these little like faux techniques. And I see them, I see new ones all the time now. Um, people are introducing, like you said, they're experimenting, they're finding new ways. I, you know, they're doing some, st- you know, faux stone stuff, but they're also doing, like you said, the grass cloth and, and all of that. Do you, um, for you, if you were to be able to like do one part of what you do, like, like every day, what's the, what's the thing that you get the most joy out of? Is it, is it actually like doing those finishes? Is it more the staging? Is it the, What's the thing that really gets you out of bed and says, like, this is what I love. This is the part that I really love. Um, the end product. Um, I kind of have this Epsom flow where I have a piece and I know what I want to do with it. And I can see how it's going to look in my head. So that's exciting. And then I get into the actual motion of it. And part of it's therapeutic because I can throw on my music and that's kind of my happy place. And it's just like, you tune out, you know, like wax on, wax off, kind of like Daniel's son, you're like painting fences. And it's just, it's therapeutic. Um, and then you get to the point where you're like, it's hot outside or it's freezing outside and I'm done. (laughs) Like that point where you're kind of frustrated, but then you get to the staging part and that's probably the best. I think like the, taking the photographs of it, because that's when you're like, oh, okay. What was up here is now here in front of me. And then the photographs are almost just like this proof of it. You know, (laughs) I don't know. It's fun to, you know play with the angles and show how you would see it used and try to encourage others to do something similar or, or purchase that piece and put it in their home and see how they love it and enjoy it. Um, so I'd say it's kind of like this wave process for me personally, because it's definitely not every single moment of it is enjoyable. <laughs> um, it definitely gets a little dirty and gritty in the middle, but yeah, the outcome um, is what kind of keeps you coming back, I think, because you end on this high note and it's really awesome. And then you're like, okay, which one's next? 
I love the amount of wisdom that you have and just the amount of experience that you have, even as you're talking about the process and how that middle is tough, but towards the end, you know, it's going to get good. And I know that one of the places that I've seen that voice is on your blog, actually boxwoodandspruce.com. Um, you know, what I've noticed is a lot of flippers will be on Instagram. They'll be on, you know, TikTok, wherever. Um, I don't notice as many blogs. Uh, can you tell me what inspired you to have a restoration blog and then kind of how that's gone for you? Yeah. Um, I mean, the blog, I just think you get more information. Instagram and TikTok are great for that. Um, get some quick inspiration, you know, but when you really were like, you want to sit down and be like, okay, I want to, I want to try to do that for myself. It's hard to watch a 15 second thing over and over and over again and, and try to get a grasp of that. So when you can take it to the blog and give close up pictures uh, or more video or just literally a descriptive detail and give your tips and tricks of like, Hey, you know what? I tried this and don't try that. It didn't work. Try this instead. That's so educational for people who really truly want to like, you know, do a little bit of a deeper dive and try it for themselves. Kaylin, do you, um, have you ever thought about putting together like curating a magazine of your own, like kind of marrying the two together, doing your blog pieces and putting all of your pictures together and putting it out there for all the flippers and restorers for inspiration no, and more information. An idea. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. think that could be fantastic. Yeah. It would be really fun. It'd be great to, you know, maybe collaborate with other uh, refinishers who have different styles, you know, so it's, you get a whole exactly. smorgasbord of, of talent and people. Yeah. And that's what's kind of cool too is that is with a it, I mean there was a time when the magazine was was the only place to really go to get you know to get that inspiration mm -hmm. and and we've sort of decentralized all that the internet you know between YouTube and between everyone's blogs and social media and all these things now it's almost to me I don't know if you ever feel this way but it's almost like almost uh, overload mm -hmm. there's so much now there's so many people with a uh, an opinion or a thought on something and. Uh, I see it. We've talked, you know, to other guests about it. It's the idea that like sometimes you post something and then you get all these comments. Some are positive, some are not positive. And you sort of, it, it's hard to put yourself out there in front of people because, you know, if they don't have the same style as you, they might say, you know, they might, they may actually come at your style and, yeah. and, and say that it's not good when really it's just, they don't, that's not their style. So it's like, a, it's an interesting dynamic. There's so much information to process, but on the other hand, there's also like this vulnerability piece too, that by putting any information out there or anything person, you know, you're, you're kind of putting a target on yourself a little too. Mm -hmm. uh, have you had any experiences like that? I know that it happens. People just see a post you do and they just kind of dig in on maybe the negative side of things. Yeah, I mean, for sure. Uh, luckily, not much of it, but absolutely. Um, I find that more over on TikTok. I don't, I have a TikTok account, but I don't do much with it. I just don't um, enjoy it as much as Instagram. I've kind of fostered this community of like-minded people over on my Instagram, and it's really fun to chat with them. Um, I only really find those negative comments more on ones that maybe get a further reach, and they're not really your people. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So like I did a, I did a Halloween dupe of a cool Harry Potter snake candelabra thing that they have for a lot of money at Pottery Barn. And I was like, well, I can recreate that, you know, and it was great for reach, but man, do people come out of the woodwork, you know, people care a lot to leave their opinion. Um, yeah, and you do. just, you know, you just have to stop looking. And I guess a blog is great, you know, to come back to your question for that too, because 
you don't get as much of that really. I don't know if I've had much of that at all on a blog because man, you really have to sit there and go through the whole thing. And then by the time you're at it at the end, be like, I'm going to comment this mean thing, you know, whereas Instagram <laughs> and TikTok are more, they're just firing off the top of their head. For some reason it triggered them and I'm going to let you know. <laughs> you know it's, yep. Yeah, oh, really. and that's kind of that's kind of the, the the idea of this is it's these conversations because you know we can look at your page all day long we can read your your blog posts and all that but there's something about getting to know the person behind it that's really important like you mentioned um, your like minded people like it's your community you've built on Instagram mm-hmm. and and uh, and it's nice because there is so I mean we're all so different everyone is so different and you know in this world of sort of the refinishing you know the, the space that we're in you do get these extremes anywhere from the the pure, pure restorer who, who mm-hmm. can't stand the the mention of paint on anything, yeah. you know, it's like that extreme or you have the other where it's just, you know, paint everything. And, and, and then there's this whole world in between, you know, that yeah. there's, and so we're just trying to really like hear those stories because when you get to know the person, you understand kind of the, the why they do it, the way their brain thinks. And, and you just, it, it, it changes it from just being this empty comment that's just on a social media platform to being like, okay, I kind of, I kind of understand them now. Uh, even though we are different, it's okay. You know, that's, yeah. that's fine. So. Yeah, absolutely. We're all, I mean, and the, I would say in the refinishing world, that is like probably the most trolling comments that people will get because it's just like, yeah, people are really black and white about that. I mean, there are the in-between, you know, who I think just kind of post everything. I feel like I'm one of those in-between. Like I love a good true antique, but if you see something's really damaged or like, it sat in the thrift store for weeks. I go back and it's still there and it's still there. Like this isn't being appreciated, but let me let it be appreciated again. Let me give it a new spin that someone could love on this piece again. Cause isn't that what it's really about? What mm. good is a pure piece that sits in the garbage because it didn't even sell at Goodwill, you know, let it be loved again. Well, and that's something that we hear from a lot of the flipping community uh, for us is that they always say like, listen, this piece was on its last leg. It was going to the dump kind of a thing. And this allows this piece to have new life. It has a new story, which I think is so important. Yeah, it is. I mean, and I would say, I don't, I, I rarely see someone who's taking this pristine, beautiful antique, you know, from England and then just painting it teal, you know, just, <laughs> not really happening i think people appreciate that stuff too you know absolutely absolutely so so caitlin um if you had to share a nugget of wisdom for us just the thing that you know someone's getting started you've had all these years of experience doing this what would you share with them how would you encourage them try first it's just dive in you're not going to know what you're doing and that's okay just try and it's always going to look worse before it looks better No matter if you're stripping a piece, painting a piece with chalk paint, milk paint, the first go around looks awful. Every single time, get your second coat on, strip off your second coat, paint your second coat, just keep going and it will look much better. But just try. I mean, you can watch people do it all day long, but until you actually do it, I mean, that's your best teacher. You're your own best teacher. Just get in there and give it a try because really, especially... If you're going to a thrift store or an alley to get a free piece of furniture, you know, what can you mess up? You know, you put it back for someone else to find and redo it, but (laughs) just dive in and give it a go. And, and most people I'd say who do are like really proud of themselves. And, and they're like, I mean, I have people message me who are like, I picked this up. I'm going to give it a try. And then they're sending me pictures and it's awesome. It's like, 
that's great. It turned out great. And they're so proud of themselves too. That's it, man. That is it. Well, that's awesome. Well, Kaylin, thank you so very much for sharing with us a little bit about you and your story and kind of your expertise. Hey, if someone wanted to find you, where would you want them to find you online? Um, I'm most often on Instagram. That's where you can find me the most. Um, So at Boxwood and Spruce. Um, And of course, you can find me on my blog, boxwoodandspruce.com. So, and if you ever want to look at finding fun, um, vintage finds, things that I don't keep for myself, I actually have a boxwood and spruce sundries that I do fun live sales over there too. That's awesome. All right. Well, Kaylin, thank you so very much to everybody that listened. Thank you so much. Be sure to give Kaylin a follow. We'll have all of her links in the podcast description down below, Uh, but thanks again. And we'll see you guys in the next one. Thank you guys. Well, friends, I wanted to say thank you so very much for joining us today on the Flips Duration Nation podcast. If you'd like to support us, you can do so by leaving us a rating if you're over on Apple Podcasts and by subscribing on any podcast platform that you're on so that you know exactly when the next episode drops. If you loved this episode, you can share it with a friend that really helps us get the word about Flips Duration Nation out. This podcast is produced entirely by the Stripwell team. Here at Stripwell, our goal is to help every single restorer and flipper have a more quick, clean, and safe way to practice their passion, their work, and their side hustle. Our flagship product is called QCS, which stands for Quick, Clean, and Safe, and it's an entirely eco-friendly, no VOC, non-flammable vintage furniture stripper. You can pick yours up today by heading to stripwell.com. And friends, the reason that we produce this podcast here at Stripwell is so that you can just have yet another free resource to help your flipping journey become better and better as you continue to flip and restore incredible furniture. If we can do anything to help your flipping journey, please be sure to reach out to us on Instagram. We are at Stripwell, S-T-R-I-P-W-E-L-L, or you can find that in the podcast description down below. As always, friends, keep on flipping and we will see you in the next one.